0: Good morning, Joy Church. How you guys doing today? Woo! Come on, there's some life and energy in the house today. Let's go, man. I'm here. This is exciting. This is a good time to be in God's house, God's presence. There's so much stuff going on in the world. And you know what? All of it doesn't matter on Sunday morning when you're in the presence of the high king of heaven, laying your life down, lifting your hands up. Although that song confuses me a bit because I don't know if I should lift my hands up or lay my life down. You know what I mean? I lift my hands up, lay my whole life down. My worship moves get confused in that moment. Man, I just love God's presence. I love being in worship. You know, there's so much power when we come together. This is spiritual warfare when you show up on Sunday instead of sleeping in instead of going to brunch, when you show up to be with God's people in God's house and in worship and prayer and community, it's actually spiritual warfare and it sets you free. It breaks bondages off your life. And the miracles that God is doing in us oftentimes are unknown and unseen and unfelt by us, but they're very real as we walk in obedience to him. I could preach on that all day, but I'm not going to do that today man it's an act of spiritual warfare to show up on Sunday and be here in this atmosphere and uh, man it's an awesome time we had a team go to La Paz our sister church Joy Church La Paz and uh, we're gonna show a quick recap video so but before we do that let's give them a round of applause for going down on that on that trip and uh, let's see what what they did down there go ahead and show that video guys awesome come on let's give a hand I I have to admit, you're not supposed to be jealous. I don't think that's a Christian thing, but I am jealous because I love it down there. And those that went on the team, just give a, a shout. If you think on the next trip, everybody else needs to go as many as can. Yeah, I was talking to a few people this morning that went on the trip and, and one, one guy, I won't out him, I won't tell his name, but he said, you know, God did so much in his life, uh, just tremendous. Wasn't, wasn't really, probably wasn't super psyched about going, but man, what happened in his life? And it, it's really powerful. Oftentimes on these types of trips, you go on a mission to serve, and actually the mission actually takes place inside of you even more than what you give, So, and you get blessed with tacos and ceviche, so that's also a benefit. We're continuing in our series today. You've heard it said, talking about the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, uh, I, I probably would keep this series going forever if it was up to me, but um, the powers that be, <coughs> Bethany, have said we need to end it uh, at some point, and so we will be ending it before Easter, but uh, today I'm gonna talk about prayer. I'm gonna talk about the Lord's Prayer, uh, and this is such a, a, a powerful thing. Prayer in the life of a believer is such a meaningful thing, and yet we often feel under-equipped. And I'll talk about that in a second. But I, first I want to show you some funny pictures, because I've been doing that week by week. And so, uh, every family has secrets until a Sunday school teacher asks a group of kids if they have any prayer requests. <laughs> <laughs> How many of you know it's dangerous to bring your kids to class? The teachers are like, yeah, Jack told us what you did this week. And I'm like, oh no, I need to pray for forgiveness. next." Dear God, my prayer for this coming year is a fat bank account and a thin body, but please don't mix them up like you did last year. (laughs) Shonda. (laughs) All right, next. (laughs) She held my hand in the prayer circle, so I guess you could say things are getting pretty serious. (laughs) Anybody that grew up in church knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) You're like, man, I want to get closer to the Lord and closer to Susie Q. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) All right, next one. Two different prayers right here. Deliver us from evil and give us today our daily bread. (laughs) Woo! I don't care who you are. That's funny. All right. Next. Lord, if he's not for me, give me a sign. Woo! Next. (laughs) Father, helpeth thy servant, for thou art mighty. You don't have to speak in King James English, Greg. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Me, Lord, thank you for this food, bless it and make it good for my body, amen, the Lord. (laughs) My family, let me just tell you a story before we go to the next one. Um, My family who are in Medford, uh, Pastor Steve B., his name, my father and my sister Natalie are like prayer Nazis. And so when we sit down at dinner, I actually feel like being a Christian and I love Jesus, that I can eat food and if I don't pray for it first, it won't kill me. Does anybody else believe that? I mean, I feel, like, I feel like some Christians, you know, they feel like they're never gonna get the parking spot and their food is gonna turn into Ebola the minute they don't pray for it. So we'll sit down and I'll be like, start eating my food and my dad will be like, did you forget something? And I'm like, I don't know, did I? Salt, is that what I forgot? Pepper? And he's like, my sister will do this very sanctimonious. Anyways, we love him. Okay, next one. Please God, save the world from idiots. (laughs) Next. That's it, okay, yeah. How many of you guys enjoyed those? Awesome. How many of you found your entire prayer life right there in in those memes? You were like, that was me. Uh, I was in there somewhere. And uh, prayer is so important. Prayer is incredibly important in the life of a Jesus follower. Uh, It's our communication with God. And I think what I want to do today is we talk about the Lord's Prayer, which is a prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. And I want to teach it today as a prayer that you can pray every single day where you never have to say, I don't know how to pray again. Um, I think that the, the main thing with prayer that the enemy wants us to believe is that God is like a bank vault that requires secret passwords that we, if we, we have to learn something very intricate and pray in a particular way and have a particular prayer posture or certain words that we say um, in order to have a relationship with him, and that's just simply not the case. Uh, it, it's, it's, Prayer is talking and listening. It's talking to God, listening to what he says to you, and that's it. And if we will we'll get this and, and learn this, then it will open up just a rich spiritual uh, life for us in prayer. So I'm excited to, to walk through this with, with you today. C.S. Lewis said, I haven't given enough C.S. Lewis quotes in this series, so here it goes for those that, that need it, you know. Uh, the moment you wake up each morning, all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals, and the first job each morning consists in shoving it all back, and listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other, larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. That's prayer. Every morning when you wake up, I don't know about you, but I'm often going to my investors business daily and going and looking at what the market's doing and I'm looking at what's going on in the world and the news headlines. And, and oftentimes I feel overwhelmed by the scope and the magnitude of the events of this world. What C.S. Lewis is talking about is this ability and, and invitation that God gives us to, to, to say no to all that and push those wild animals back and then let the life of God flow into us on a daily basis and get you centered and balanced and back where you're supposed to be. But the thing about prayer, as I mentioned, is that many Christians feel totally unequipped and kind of helpless when it comes to prayer. And I want to ask you to raise your hand, but pastoring now for 20-something years, uh, I'm not that old, but I've just been doing it since I was very young. So in case I'm 25 years old. So anyways, um, <laughs> I'm slightly older than that. But uh, I was looking the other day in the mirror and I go, Bethany, I have gray chest hair. Does this make me like the alpha gorilla now? I mean, what does this mean? She's like, it means you're old. Okay, well, pastoring for 20 years, so many people, I, I talked to them, and I realized that prayer, again, is like that bank vault. And they, and they just, it, it, they, they might do it, or they feel guilty that they don't do it, but they feel like they're doing it wrong, or it's not working, or whatever. I remember having a conversation with this really sweet lady one time, and she was joining the church, and she said... I said something about daily devotion. She's like, what's that? And she'd been a Christian for a long time. And I said, well, you know, like when you meet with the Lord every morning in prayer, and she's like, I don't know how to pray. And she was just, it was a candid moment. And I said, you don't know how to pray. Um, let's fix that. And in five minutes, I said, let's just look at the Lord's prayer. This is how you pray. And out of that conversation, I realized that there is a, 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 a thing that the enemy has done where he's created this, this feeling of overwhelm or complexity that doesn't need to be there because Jesus Himself taught us how to pray, and He did it very simply. And I wrote a little book called Rocket Fuel. We actually give them out for people that visit the second time, and you can get it on Amazon for like five dollars on Kindle or whatever. And if you want a copy and you really need it and you can't afford it, we'll just give it to you. But the, the book is is there, and, and if you want a little bit more in depth, you know, training, it's like 90 pages. It's it's a pamphlet really, uh, with a book cover, so I could say I wrote a book. You know what I mean? But anyways. Uh, out of that came this desire to help people just understand the basics and the simplicity of prayer to let God just to to work on them. Um, Anybody that's had kids knows this feeling of overwhelm where you start as a parent feeling completely over your head in over your head. I remember with Evie when we had her I didn't want to leave the birth center. I was like to the midwives you know well we're not leaving and they had to force us out. They had to put me right you know tie me up and like take me out by force because I was like, I don't know how to be a dad. We don't know how to do this. We can't keep her alive. I don't know how to do this. They were like, you're, you're great. You can do it. You got it. And we were there for like three days. Then with Penny, we literally went to the, to the birth center at three, two, three in the morning. And we were out by eight o'clock with her, stopped at Dutch Brothers on the way. Seriously, like it was just like, we're we good. We got this. You know what I mean? After three kids, people are like dropping her. We're like, it's okay. She's a little, it'll, it'll, it'll brush off, you know? But with your first kid, how many of you know, that's a joke, by the way, in case anybody from like the Department of Health or whatever is watching here, we didn't drop our children. We actually have taken, well, very good care of them. Um, But by our third kid, it was like, we got this, we we understand, but we started so overwhelmed. So I want to get that off of you today, that feeling of overwhelm and complexity where prayer becomes something you can do every day and you can love it every day and, and enjoy this relationship with God. We've already read this passage in this series, but let's go through it again. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, and when you pray, not if, but when, because prayer is for believers, it's for people that are children of God, like this is something that should be in your daily walk with him, okay? Don't be like the hypocrites, people that wear a face but are really something different. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen, then your father who sees what is, what, what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the pagans, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Jesus gives us now what we call the Lord's Prayer. Who is the Lord? It's Jesus. This is Jesus' prayer. That's why we call it the Lord's Prayer. And he says, this is how you do it. This is what prayer is. So everything you've ever read, you're like, well, I read this book on prayer. It was 300 pages. It was too long because Jesus himself told us how to pray. And I want you to get this, right? What we've done sometimes is we add a bunch of stuff that might be good. And it's the experiences that people have had about prayer. But this is prayer. When somebody asks Jesus, how do you pray? This is what he answered. In another passage, his disciples actually ask him, how do you pray? And he gives the same answer. This is what you do. So Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have, as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. How many of you think that if you tried really hard, you could actually memorize that? Where, and how many of you already know it because you've heard it so many times? And then yet your brain and the devil tells you, you need more. He doesn't hear you. He isn't listening. It didn't work. You're not, it's not going to go through. The radio doesn't go all the way up to heaven unless you add prayer posture, amplitude, you know, to it. It doesn't work because you, you have, you know, something going on. Jesus said this is what it is. This is prayer. Prayer is simply communicating with God, if we understand that simple thing, and then he gives us some words and some framework and some meaningful things that we're going to unpack here in a second. He finishes by saying, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let me give you some thoughts on this prayer. Number one, true prayer, real prayer, is not a performance for God or for other people. So when Jesus starts talking about prayer, he says, when my followers pray, because you're going to pray as a Jesus follower, that's part of our spiritual journey. When you pray, don't be like the person who does it for show, for other people. If your prayer life is about impressing other people, you know, well, I'm gonna show Pastor Jake that I know how to pray. I don't care, and it won't impress me, and it won't impress anybody. Uh, you know why I want you to pray? Because you need it, and, and we all need it, to connect with God. It's like your heritage. It's your, your relationship with your heavenly Father you being a good at prayer or not good at prayer is not impressive or unimpressive to other people because you can't be good or bad at something that is just your inheritance as a child of God. Do you understand? So Jesus says, look, there's a trap you can fall into where you can kind of like be religious or act like your prayer. praying. I pray on the street corners and I'll be here praying on Sunday in King James English. And it's not impressive. So Jesus says, don't fall into that trap Nobody laughed at that, you guys. I did like an (laughs) operatic voice on a Sunday morning. I mean, come on. Give me some breadcrumbs here or something. But Jesus says, don't pray for show. You know, it doesn't impress. It's not, that's not, don't do that. And then second, don't, you're not impressing God because you learn how to pray in a fancy way. Or with your many words. One of the funniest things that happens in church life over time. Bethany and I have a little hashtag. It's called OIC and it stands for only in church. And if you've grown up in church like me, I mean, I was like born and raised inside the church, guys. I, from the earliest memories of my life, I remember looking up at the Lamb beams at Joy Medford in the sanctuary. I remember the feel of the, the floor at the Redmond Lodge, uh, the old like Masonic Redmond Lodge or whatever in Medford where we, were, we had church. As a baby, I grew up in church and a bunch of weird funky stuff happens in church. You know why? Because people are there, <laughs> that's why. Anytime you gather a bunch of people together and then you slap religion on it, I mean, it can get fun in a hurry. So, only in church, and uh, what was I going with this? Oh, yeah. Only in church, you hear people get into a prayer circle, and everybody's like, Dear Father God, dear Jesus, Father God, Father God, I just pray, Father God, Father God, for this food, Father God, that you just bless it. God, Father, just, Father God, just pray. And you're just like, What are you doing? Could you imagine if you talk to your husband or wife, Bethany, my dear, Bethany, my love, Bethany, I love you so much, Bethany, Bethany, I just want to tell you, Bethany, that Bethany, the kids got back from school today, Bethany, and they need to clean up the yard, Bethany, Bethany, I just want to tell you. I think God was like, Jesus, you need to say this about prayer because I'm so sick of it, right? If we could just get the Father God guy to stop it, you know, when they pray, that would be awesome. That's probably not funny to most of you, but for those of us that <laughs> grew up in church, it's pretty funny. Grace knows it's funny, right? Yes, it's funny. So <clears throat> G- Jesus says, look, your prayer, it's not like if I can cram 2,000 words per minute into this thing that God is like, I wasn't going to say yes but you tried so hard, <laughs> you got so many words, or, or you prayed it so well that now I'm gonna do what you want me to do. Because prayer is not manipulating God to get what you want. Uh, prayer, prayer, yes, it's about requesting things. Yes, it's about asking God for what you need. But Jesus says, look, you're not gonna impress him into doing something, he already knows what you need. So if we can just get rid of the performance aspect of prayer, for other people or for God, what you're left with is the simplicity of honest communication and heartfelt connection with God, which I think is what we actually want, isn't it? Because who cares what somebody else thinks about your relationship with God and who cares? uh, God doesn't care that you're not impressing him. He's not impressed by you. You can't impress God. He's God. It'd be like me going and being like, hey, Tony Hawk, watch this, uh, this kickflip. It doesn't impress him. You know what I mean? Hey, Elon Musk, check out I got 10 grand in my bank account. It's like $280 billion. It doesn't impress me, right? God is not moved by what we do. Okay, so true prayer is not a performance for God or other people. Number two, the Lord's Prayer correctly orders our spiritual life, the priority of our spiritual life. The Lord's Prayer, Jesus gives us functional... Understanding within the words of this prayer of how things should be ordered. It starts with relationship with the Father. The prayer starts this way. Our Father, who's in heaven. Did you know that God wants you to approach Him as who He is, a loving Father? And this is the difference between Christianity and, all, and almost every other world religion, or really every other world religion, is every other man-made, human-crafted uh, religion that's intending to give us a pathway to God always... Uh, treats God as fully transcendent and misses his eminence and his nearness and his closeness. But the Christian faith teaches us about a God who though he has every right to re- to remain in his glory and look down upon us in judgment, actually descends and lifts us out of the muck and brings us into intimate relationship and commands us to identify and relate to him as a father. So when we pray, it starts with recognizing my relational status with God is not based on my performance and how awesome I am and how sinless I am because I'm none of those things. It starts with me recognizing he's my Abba Father. He's my Father in heaven. And I approach him as that relationship, again, not to manipulate what I want out of him, not to put a quarter, a religious quarter in and get some sort of an answer back, not to be impressive to him, but in the same way that any one of us that has a child or uh, that has a, a loving father knows that that relationship is about who you are, not what you've done. A lot of power in two words, our Father. You could go on and talk about how Jesus intends to, to give us the idea that prayer is also reflective of the fact that we're part of a family and that our salvation is not us independent with just you and God. It's also part of a community. So when he says to pray this way, he actually says put it into uh, the, the sense of a, of a group. It's our Father, right? Not just my Father, but our Father. Oftentimes when I pray through the Lord's Prayer, I will, I will say, Lord, I come to you as my father, but I thank you that I'm part of a family that I belong to, and that you're our father, and I'm not alone in this journey, but I'm with the family that you have brought me into. So it starts with relationship with the father. Then it goes to honoring his name, that that line, hallowed be, or hallowed be your name. In other translations, it says, may your name be kept holy. There's something about God That though he is our father and we come on the basis of relationship, he doesn't stop being the holy, almighty, transcendent, omnipotent, powerful God, creator of heaven and earth, the high king of heaven, full of majesty and glory, worthy of praise and honor. Come on, somebody like he is God. He's amazing. He's awesome. And Jesus says, and you need to know that, that though that is your father, that's who you have relationship with. You are his son or his daughter. He's still the high king of heaven. And so put some glory on his name, somebody. Come on, put some praise on his name. But every day when we come to God, I go, you know what? I'm not praising my problems. and I'm not elevating the, the works of darkness. I don't even care. I'm not even talking about my needs or, or my sins or forgiving other people until I recognize that God is so freaking awesome that that's where my prayer starts. So Jesus says, this is how you pray. You start with relationship and then you go to our father who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Lord, may your name be kept holy. And I'll talk about how I pray through this. Okay. But that's the the priority here. And then he says, uh, then your kingdom come, your will be done. Before we get to praying about what we need or what we want or what we feel like is important. What we're to pray is to say, God, your kingdom come and your will before ours. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't have time to share with you a full theology of what heaven and earth means, but heaven in this context is not talking about the place that most Americans think they're going to go when they die. That's not what it means here. What he's talking about when Jesus says heaven is God's realm, God's eminent God's, uh, reign, where what God wants done and what his will is, is done without any uh, shade or turning. There is no differentiation in, in heaven where God exists currently, there is no, uh, there is no count contrary behavior to what God wants to happen. And yet on earth, there is limited sovereignty of human beings who turned it over to Satan. And so we do see things that happen contrary to God's will. Uh, I, is this okay? Are you with me here? So Jesus is saying what you are to do is say, God, let your agenda, the way that it's done where you are, let it be done where I am. That's all he's saying here. So when I pray this prayer, and I'll go into this in greater detail, but I pray that everything in my world that doesn't, that wouldn't exist in God's realm would cease to exist in mine. And everything that does exist in God's realm would exist in mine. What I do not, okay, I'm going to, I'm over preaching this. Let me just stop there. Okay. I get, I'm a little excited about it. All right, let's move on. So he starts with his kingdom, his will, not mine, his before mine. And then and this is the priority, okay? This is the, the list here, the ordering of this prayer. It's very powerful. Then we pray, would you give me my daily bread? Would you meet my needs? Would you provide for me? And then after that, we pray, would you forgive my sins as I forgive? And then we go into deliverance and spiritual warfare. And so it's interesting because in the ordering of the prayer, it starts in the exact opposite Or, or, or different than I would normally pray in my flesh, out of my human perspective. Because let me tell you how generally I would tend to pray. Lord, I come. Lord, here I am today, and I need a lot of help. Uh, I'm like flat broke. I can't make rent. I just need help with my money. And I, and I did really bad stuff last week. And would you please forgive me? I feel really dirty and gross but I think maybe you could save me. Like we start with from our perspective, what's wrong in our life. And then we move towards God. And what Jesus says is do the exact opposite. Everything good is actually going to come from what God is and, and what he's done in your life. And it flows from there. Your mistakes, your, your, your forgivable or what you need to be forgiven for offenses uh, are not the first thing that you bring to him. The first thing you approach him with is relationship. And then you don't pray your will be done. God, my will be done and my kingdom come. You're saying his kingdom, his will, and then we go to our stuff. Are you with me? I'm not bringing the problems of this world and the great spiritual battle that we're, we're part of. I'm not bringing that to him at stage one. I, it's, it's later because the priority of this actually correctly gets me into alignment with God to recognize relationship. Holy is your name in worship. Uh, then his, his agenda, his kingdom, and his will be done. And then my needs. And then forgive me. And then let's move into deliverance and spiritual warfare. So that's, that, that's the Lord's Prayer, how it correctly orders our spiritual life. Now, that is a very powerful message I gave you in, like, what, five minutes? Ten minutes? Fifteen minutes? I don't know. And I pray that you would just think about that. Please, like, think about that. Because if you'll meditate on that, I think it'll do something in you not just in your prayer life, but in every area of life, if you realize that Jesus gave us a pretty amazing roadmap of approaching God as a true believer should approach God. Now, again, I'm not, it's not because we approach God in a particular way that he accepts us. It has nothing to do with our approach, but when you are walking with Jesus, what you'll find is that if you'll engage with God according to the terms he's laid out for you, uh, it, 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 it's, there's life in that. It's something powerful, uh, and so I'll just leave that with you. The, th- the third thing I want to do today, and this is where we'll spend the lion's share of our, of our time and attention, is understanding, we've kind of already started to do it, but understanding what each element of this prayer means, and then I'll kind of explain how I pray this on a daily basis, okay? So this will just be practical. So again, starting with relationship, uh, when I pray this prayer, this is what I do. Uh, oftentimes, I pray this in the morning, almost every day. I pray the prayer verbatim, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, Uh, Or our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And then I'll go back through and I'll say, Father, thank you that you are my Father. Thank you that beyond anything I need, beyond anything that's happening in the world around me, that that you are my my Father. And I, I so love you, Father. I so love you, Father, thank you for your grace and mercy that you brought me into your family, that I'm born again by the blood of Jesus, and that you put your name on my life, though I didn't deserve it, but I wear your name, and so I pray that today, that I would keep your name holy. I pray that today, God, in my life, as I love my children and my wife, I pray as I serve Joy Church, Thank God, my life would bring you glory. I don't think I can pray that for you guys today. It's a little bit um, too intimate, but God, would you would you let a little bit of your life shine through me today? God, I pray that even in my Weakness and failures today that people would say, That's a son of God redeemed by grace. That, Lord, the world would know you and your glory through my life. May your name be kept holy in me. May your name be kept holy at our church. Lord, I pray that Joy Church would shine for you, God. That, Lord, the city of Eugene and Springfield and the nations of the world would see a group of people that are not perfect but forgiven and redeemed and would honor your name. You see the power? Pardon my emotion. Um, the other night, we were walking down the street and uh, this neighbor of ours stopped us and she said, hey, I just want you guys to know your kids are amazing. And my heart went off like a nuclear reactor. <laughs> somebody says that. And she said, your daughter Evie, she came and she was, praising my garden. You know, she was, she was like encouraging me and she said, Oh, your garden's so beautiful and you're doing such a good job. And Bethany and I were like, we're like supernova, like glowing. And we're like, thank you so much because our children are living up to our name, but way better. (laughs) How do you think God feels when his kids Bring honor and glory to his name. So when we pray, Lord, hallowed, may your name be kept holy. There is this aspect of worship and recognizing him, but it's also saying, may your name be kept holy in and through me as your child. Sorry that I'm crying like a baby. I'm just, it's actually weird to pray because it's so intimate. And so when I pray in front of you, it's like I'm overcome with emotion about my relationship with God. We pray his kingdom. This is so powerful and rich. A kingdom is the extension of a king's will. Again, in the the realm of the king, everything he wants done gets done. Every single day, and you know this well, there is a war of wills in our hearts. There are two kingdoms that are always warring, the kingdom of Jesus versus the kingdom of Jake. The kingdom of Jake is awful. The kingdom of Jake is so selfish. The kingdom of Jake is so prideful. The kingdom of Jake is so much lower in its aims and objectives than the kingdom of heaven and, and the kingdom of Jesus. And so Jesus says, pray that the, the God's agenda and his will would be manifest in your kingdom where you are, just like it is where he is. And there's so much power in this. Like when I pray this, I'm, I say, Father, I pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in me today. So would you, get, would you win the war of wills today in my heart and life so it wouldn't be my agenda, my stuff, my, my business, my, my thing. It would not be my, my, my. It would be yours, yours, yours. And I would have the humility and the heart to hear you. Tell me what the difference is and to do the right thing. And then I pray God's will and his kingdom come over each aspect of my life that means anything to me. So I pray for Bethany. God, let your kingdom and your will be done in her. Let your kingdom and your will be done in our, the Schmelzer family with our kids. Let, let your kingdom and your will be done at Joy Church. When I actually feel like praying, I'll pray for some of you by name, but don't count on it. So just, you need to pray for yourself. <laughs> People are like, Pastor, will you pray for me? No, pray for yourself. That's why I that's so why I'm discipling you, so you'll pray for yourself. Because I'm not going to commit to do that. I'll pray for you right now, but it won't. I'm not going to mean it. So you pray for yourself, okay? And I pray God's kingdom and His will be done. And, and I just, just sometimes I just pray that. Sometimes I don't have, I don't have a lot of time, and I just say, Lord, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. You know, and that's it. But it's very powerful. And then I move into praying for daily bread and provision. And Jesus said to us, God already knows what you need. Okay, so. When we're praying his kingdom and his will, I mean, there's so much power in just your relationship with God, keeping his name holy and worshiping him, enjoying his presence, and then starting to pray his kingdom come and his will be done. Some days you might not even get to this stuff. That's why I pray the prayer verbatim in the beginning because I just wanna cover it, you know what I mean? I I just said it doesn't really matter if you pray it the right way, but I still believe that kind of because I grew up in church, like I need to check all the boxes, you know? And so I start praying, Lord, would you give me uh, my daily bread? now? How many of you are starving to death? Nobody? Okay. That's awesome. We can lower our help budget for the month. But that was a little joke. Okay. (laughs) We're not starving to death, um, most of us. And there are people in the world that are, so I'm not being light about that. But... For us, daily bread is not like maybe the thing that we think to pray for. We think more about what we want. I want a better job, I want more money, I want a promotion, I want a boat, I want a rocket ship. You know, like whatever it is that we are praying for. Um, the reality is Jesus says in prayer, what we're to do is basically acknowledge. I think this, this part of the prayer is really two parts. It's, it's request, but it's also recognition. The main reason that we are told to pray for daily bread, in a, in a, if specifically for those who typically have daily bread, is to recognize where our daily bread actually comes from. To remember that it doesn't come by the work of your hands and how smart you are and how awesome you are and what a good you know, worker you are and how hard you work. What it comes from is God. And therefore, when I recognize the source of my provision, I can lose a lot of confusion about so many things in life. Does that make sense? So, this, this part of the prayer is really an equal parts request and recognition. We need to keep our focus on who our source is. So, when I pray this prayer, oftentimes I'll say, Lord, I ask that you would, prov- I, I thank you that you have provided our daily bread. I thank you that, m- that my children are clothed. We have a nice place to live. We are safe and happy and warm. And you've blessed us with, with provisions. And you've actually blessed and increased us way beyond anything that we would have thought we deserve or have ever believed we could have. But help me to recognize that you are my source and that my, you're, you're the bread maker. And it's not me. Uh, Bethany and I used to joke, I, she would grab my hand or something, and I'd be like, careful, don't hurt the money makers. Because I play the piano, you know, and I've made like several dollars on, online with my music. <laughs> Enough to buy like a cup of coffee at McDonald's, you know? And so it was a joke, like, don't hurt the money makers, you know? But the, the reality is in our hearts, oftentimes we do think that we're the moneymaker, we're the bread maker, right? That our genius or whatever, we think like we're our source or whatever corporation you work at is your source or whatever, and, and the reality is God is our source. And so praying for daily bread brings us back to focusing on not what we want, but what we need and also recognizing who provides for us, that God will take care of us. And Jesus later talks about removing worry and all of that. And that's because we recognize who gives us our daily bread. Okay, next, forgiveness. We've got to go fast because I can't just be up here crying like a baby the whole time. Okay, forgiveness is spiritual provision. In the same way we, we depend on God to provide for our daily needs and provide for what we need uh, in the natural, we also, pro- we also depend on him to provide for what we need in the spiritual. And so Jesus gives us this incredibly dangerous, uh, very deep statement. He says, to ask Jesus to forgive your sins as you forgive other people's sins. And what he's inviting us into here is a completely new economy. You have the economy of keeping score, which is what I call when somebody is uh, living in the kingdoms of this world, it's like the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They took the fruit and they knew the difference between right and wrong. And from that point forward, they could keep score. And it was like, well, you've done this to me, so I'm gonna get back at you and now we're even. But the problem is, as we all know, when you get even, somebody's gonna get more even. And then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And pretty soon we we have wars and rumors of wars and conflicts and oppression and everything bad sort of comes out of keeping score. And so Jesus says, look, in my kingdom, you're never going to untangle that knot. So we're going to, we're going to be like Alexander the Great and cut right through the Gordian knot. We're not going to untie it. I'm going to deal with it once and for all. Jesus paid for every sin at the cross, including the people you don't like, love, or forgive. There was a, a man that was like, well, I can't forgive, you know, child molesters. And I was like, dude, I understand we all dislike child molesters. But what about, what about you? Well, i I didn't do that. I know, but you did something else. And before God, all sin deserves eternal separation. So Jesus says, look, every one of you has a rotten, evil heart. And that we all we've talked about this over the past couple of weeks. Everybody has a rotten, evil heart. Everybody's done bad stuff and you can keep score and say, well, they're worse. This person's worse, but you're worse than somebody else. So where do we draw the line? And at some point, what you have to be able to do is it doesn't mean we throw out all human justice and judgment and everything. It's not not what I'm saying. But what Jesus says is spiritually for God's forgiveness to come to you, it has to be able to get through you. And the function of forgiveness does not happen when you are walking in the economy or living in the economy of of keeping score. You have to enter into the economy of forgiveness. Just like when somebody joins the United States, and I think it's a beautiful picture when people from other nations want to join our country and they go to the naturalization, I don't know what they call that service, but basically there's a, a deeply, and usually it's emotional for people that are coming from a different country and they have to renounce, they renounce the old I was a a part of the the nation of Guatemala or I was part of the nation of, you know, Canada or wherever they're coming from. And they renounce uh, this previous citizenship to take on the new sovereignty of a new nation. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. When we come into the kingdom of of heaven, we come into God's kingdom, we have to renounce that previous citizenship. Jesus and, and other New Testament writers spoke of this contrast in kingdoms. He said to his disciples, you know how it is among the Gentiles. They lord it over each other. They, they, they keep score. They want to take authority. But among you, it will not be this way. You're going to be a servant. It's a different thing. Uh, Jesus gives us the parable of the wicked servant. He was forgiven an unpayable debt, but then he wouldn't forgive a fellow servant. And Jesus, giving a picture of God, says, what does the master do? The king, speaking of God in the story, he takes that wicked servant and he throws him back in prison. So you can't receive forgiveness if you won't give forgiveness. Like we could just get down on our hands and knees and start to pray now because this is really intense. So you go, how do you pray this, Pastor Jake? What I do every day is I say, Lord, forgive my sins. Lord, you know what they are, and I do. Let's not rehearse them, but you know what I've done. (laughs) Forgive my sins as I forgive those who've sinned against me. And here's a little exercise I do. You go, well, who sinned against me? Some of you know immediately. Sometimes it's a little harder because if you've actually prayed this a lot and you've worked through some of this, it, it starts to get a little hard. So I'll say, Jesus, would you show me anybody that I'm holding hostage? And I'll actually do this exercise. I think we le- learned it in this book, The Forgiveness Factor, where I'll imagine that my heart is, uh, there's, a, there's like a pathway down, uh, a stair step down, and there's a dungeon or a prison and I walk through this mentally, and I walk into that prison, and I look left and I look right, and if I see a person's face in one of the cells, it's like how I get my brain to, or my heart and spirit to remind me who maybe I'm upset at. And it's weird for me, because you'd think people will be like, well, you must have a hard time forgiving an XYZ person because they did this to you or whatever, and I'd be like, actually, no, I kind of dealt with that. Sometimes the person that comes to mind is like, my wife, right, my kids. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's Matt. It's always Matt. Um no, I'm just joking. It's never Matt. (laughs) But you know, people people do things, whatever. We all know, you know, you just and all of a sudden you recognize, oh, I have a little bit of unforgiveness. And it's not like something you're just bitter or whatever. You're not you're not it doesn't have to be like demonic, whatever. You just be kind of upset. What I'll do is I'll in my mind I visualize taking a key, unlocking the door, smiling at them, and saying, hey. I'm going to lead you out of here. And I, in my mind, I walk them up out of the steps and I say, I give them a hug and I say, I bless you and I release you. Oh my gosh, that feels amazing. Some people, it's really hard. There was one recently where I I didn't realize I had something against someone and I couldn't do it. I was like in there and I, and like in my mind, I was like, I'm not happy about letting, I don't, I'm not, I don't want them here, but I don't, I'm not, I can't bless them. And I had to, it took me about an hour to pray and just sit there. And finally, I was able to give in my mind that person a hug and say, go on your way. Now you go, well, what is, but but you don't understand that my dad, he was evil. He molested me. He abused me. Here's the deal. God is the righteous judge and everyone will be judged for what they've done. But you are in that prison cell if you won't forgive with that person. It doesn't mean you have to go have Thanksgiving dinner with them. It means that in your spirit, in your heart, you need to say, Jesus, you forgave me because you could have kept me in prison and you let me out. So I let other people out inside of me. That's, there's some power there. Come on. And then Jesus finishes with deliverance. This is one that I think a lot of people just sort of skip over. Leave me not into temptation, deliver me from evil. This recognizes the fact that there are traps and temptations for all of us to fall away from God on a daily basis. And Jesus tells us to pray about them. Uh, growing up, I had a cartoon I loved, and maybe you love it too, The Roadrunner. I love meep, meep, you know, I love The Roadrunner. And uh, you know Wiley E. Coyote? He's always scheming. He's got TNT and anvils, right? It's like they acme anvils, you know? They did a lot of business, acme anvils. And uh, Coyote is always going to get the Roadrunner, right? And he always has a perfect trap set up. And then what always happens, he falls in his own trap. He, the anvil falls on his head or whatever. So I think about this. Uh, there's a trap every day from the enemy waiting to try to pull me back into who I used to be before Jesus. And so I say, Lord, this is my prayer. Lord, you know what I struggle with. The Bible talks about the sins that so easily beset us. That means like ensnare you. Jesus, you know what I struggle with, and I will tell, and I'll remind him, I'm not going to tell you guys, but I tell Jesus, you know that I struggle with this, and this, and that, and that, and maybe some of that, and a little bit of this sprinkled on top. So would you reveal the traps and temptations I face today, and give me the grace to avoid them, and evade them, and escape them. So Jesus is saying, pray, like God, help me to see ahead of time what could pull me down, and get away, and then We end with, deliver me from evil. There is a real and present spiritual battle taking place. Peter said, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. James tells us, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So when I pray this, I say, Lord, today I recognize my battle is not against flesh and blood. Uh, I pray, uh, I know that I'm in a spiritual battle. Help me to know that. Please protect me and my family from the schemes of the devil. God, I pray against financial ruin. I pray against health attacks. I pray against uh, insults and and injuries and people that that wish us us evil and the schemes of the devil. And I ask that you would allow us to take ground for your kingdom today in Jesus' name. So that's the Lord's prayer. Now, I I gave you a little bit of a window into how I pray through it. Was that helpful? Um, How are you going to pray through it? Well, start with just praying the actual words. Father who art in heaven hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us as we forgive those who've sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you for your word today. I pray that we would be transformed and changed. And God, I pray that we'd walk out of here today with the practical step-by-step. Here's how to pray so we wouldn't feel unequipped Lord, that we would actually enjoy this relationship with you on a daily basis. Lord, you know that I could just pray about that first line and just sit with you and recognize that you're my father because, God, your love is overwhelming. What a perfect father you are. But beyond that, you care for our needs and you provide for us. And, Lord, we want to see your kingdom come and your will be done in and through us. Lord, as individuals, as families, as businesses, and as a church, united and strong, in your, in your love to, to, to see this city be born fresh and new into the kingdom of God, to see this city transformed and to look more like heaven. Jesus, I pray that we would walk in this spirit and this, th- this uh, practice of prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Real quick, if you're here today and you don't follow Jesus, you're not a disciple of Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to make that decision. So what we'll do is we're going to pray a simple prayer. And if you want to join God's family and call upon the name of Jesus to save you from your sins and to be born again, then you can pray this with me right now. So let's bow our heads and and pray this together. and We'll give you a step to take in just a minute. Dear Jesus, I confess my sin to you. I know that I've not lived up to your standard, but I thank you for your grace and mercy revealed at the cross where you gave your life for me and made a way for me to be right with you. I give you my heart I give you my life in Jesus' name, amen.